I'm Scott Paul, and this is the Manufacturing Report. We have an incredibly phenomenal staff who are so gifted as artists in their own right. And that is the part of TWE that I think is so important that each piece of chalk we make is crafted by an artist. When preschool art teacher Kate Librand began experimenting with making chalk that was perfectly sized for her students' hands in fanciful shapes like donuts and unicorn horns, she was met with an outpouring of interest from parents. And with the launch of her own chalk-making venture on Etsy, Kate quickly also found retailers. When she could no longer keep up with the demand for her whimsical, eco-friendly chalk on her own, she partnered with Margot Del Collo. And since then, Twee has rocketed to stratospheric success and become a favorite children's gift pick in publications such as Vogue, Vanity Fair, and People magazine. My conversation with Twee co-owner Margot Del Collo about why she's committed to maintaining the company's made-in-Philadelphia roots next on The Manufacturing Report. Margot, thank you so much for joining us on The Manufacturing Report. Oh my gosh, thank you for having me. This is such a pleasure. So let's talk Twee. First of all, tell me about the name. We'll get to the product in a second, but tell me about the name because to me it's so whimsical, but there's got to be a story behind it. Actually, it's British slang for too cute. So like excessively adorable. And I really, I really love it so much um, because when you encounter people, you see all of this whimsy in our designs, you see all of this glitter and sparkle and people always say, oh, it's so cute. And then I always wanna say, and it's serious business too. <laughs> um, so it's, it's uh, I think it really, it explains our brand and our look and feel so well. Well, good. And then what is Twee for the uninitiated? Because I think it's such a cool product. I couldn't even begin to imagine how to come up with it. But why don't you tell our listeners what Twee is? Twee is a women-owned maker studio based out of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. We hand make sidewalk chalk for children from raw goods all the way to shipping out. Everything happens in our studio here, as I said, in South Philadelphia. Our designs are all thoughtful and very tongue-in-cheek clever. We have donuts that look like donuts. We have macaroons that honestly, sometimes I'm packaging them and I think to myself, I should take a bite. No, don't take a bite, Margo, you know it's chalk. But like, they look so real. So we are making all of this right here. We are in about 350 independent retailers all across the country. We have a presence internationally in some select stores. We are also in national stores like Nordstrom, Neiman Marcus, Pottery Barn. All of that, every piece of chalk is made by one of our 10 makers. Wow, that is an extraordinary commitment to craftsmanship. So there also has to be an interesting story behind how you started up. And I'm very curious to hear how you channeled your creative instincts into building a business like Twee. 
Chalk started as a project gone bad that then needed, it needed to be conquered. No one likes to be defeated. <laughs> and in that, I saw that there was something so cool about having a common toy, something or tool even, if you will, something that everyone knows from childhood and having it reimagined in this, again, very fanciful way. And I have no business experience whatsoever. I have two master's degrees in museum education. And I just said, this is, let me try this. And, you know, we have been incredibly successful. And we've learned as we've gone. And, you know, I think having a product that you super believe in, that you know is special, that is the hardest part of it. And once you have that, it's easy to, to make people get as excited as you are by it. So you describe this rapid kind of growth of interest and expansion from basically Etsy to Nordstrom. What were some of the both, I guess, challenges and opportunities that you encountered along the way? You, you yourself said you didn't have this business background, but I'm curious to explore with you, like what were some of the challenges as you kind of scaled up and, and, and started this enterprise? Honestly, the, the biggest challenge was scaling. Um, our first order for Nordstrom was for every door that they had, which means every store that they had. So in order for um, 114 stores. And at the time we were still making in my South Philadelphia garage. I just don't want it to seem like luxurious and spacious. It was like a one car, very small garage. And we had to figure out how to make it to that scale. And without losing the integrity, without losing the beauty, uh, and how do we do it quickly? And I, I will say that it was everything from initially we were hand whisking. <laughs> I, even as I say it, it just seems ridiculous now. Like we were hand whisking and going from that onto uh, an actual like electric mixer that's handheld was like a huge difference. Um, and all along the way, we've been, as I said, like having no experience, we're learning and figuring things out, doing UPC labels, doing barcodes. Like a lot of people don't know this. I didn't know it until we started doing it. Every big store has humongous like pages of rules up into how you have to like tape boxes. So we figured all of that out just by kind of keeping our heads down and like really being committed to it. It is always funny to me when I can talk so openly about things I know about now, knowing that three years ago, I had no idea. Like Nordstrom's, and uh, we're so lucky, Nordstrom's um, supplier guideline, which has all the rules, it is, it's literally 150 pages. And I could not figure out, I could not make head nor tail of it. So I took it to the Nordstrom in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, and I asked to speak to someone at the store that could help me. 
And, you know, they found someone in the warehouse to come up and talk to me a little bit, but it's like, it was really that kind of like, just we, this is it. This is what's happening. We have to figure it out attitude uh, that helped us get to a point where right now it's almost, I'm not going to say it's totally painless to get out huge orders like that, but it is, uh, it is much easier. And so I wanted to ask you because you, you get your product into the stores and then you've established this foothold and then the, the pandemic hits. And I'm wondering as both a kind of a, from a market perspective and from a maker and keeping workers safe perspective, like how did you, how did you respond to all of this, Margo? The first thing that we did was because there was so much unknown about the pandemic and the spread and how to keep people safe. The first thing we did was we shut down our wholesale section and we were only working with our direct to consumer. So we, we let go of the stores uh, and we just focused on orders coming in directly from uh, customers. And that helps kind of slow our process down a little bit. Um, one order is one piece of chalk, whereas a pair, uh, compared to a, uh, a store, one order is 12 pieces of chalk. And we did that, and we did that very deliberately and very thoughtfully because we also shifted, again, not knowing safety protocols at that point, we shifted to back to our roots, making in our backyards, shipping from the garage, um, we had an amazing UPS man that came every day and picked up our packages for us from the house when we left them outside for him. And we functioned like that for, I would say, probably a good three months. And I know this sounds so crazy, but in a sense, it was it was a real blessing for us. Twee's growth has been so fast that it doesn't it never gave us time to think about processes or the best best ways to do things. And it really gave everyone an opportunity to look at their department and to say, how am I functioning? How can I function better? You know, it also let us know that like, I'm by myself and I'm doing this me of something. Well, I can definitely do that many when I go back into with partners. So in that way, I, I'm really grateful for this opportunity to kind of deep dive look at the business. Once we felt safe bringing everyone back into the studio, what we have done is prior to COVID, it would be how many women can you fit into our, we call it a makery. It is uh, visually a mix between a maker's studio and a bakery. Like we use cooling racks like a baker would. We have lots of measuring cups and things. We used to just see how many we could fit and then it would be like a very uh, long shift and then everyone would leave and we'd all eat lunch together and things like that. And it, it provided a sense of community. Um, and now what we do is we, because COVID is, you know, safety of, of ourselves, of our workers, of our community is the utmost importance to us. We are really keeping shift work. We have two rooms. They're well vented, well air conditioned, which is amazing for us because we already had that going into uh, COVID because of the chalk. Um, we keep a person in the front, a person in the back for our shift so that there's no need for a break. 
then they clean up, they sanitize, we open the windows, we air out the studio, an hour later, another shift comes in and then that's repeated. We've been really lucky. Everyone is very conscientious down here in the studio and, and I appreciate it so much. And that's, that's how we've been functioning. It's been a little bit harder to keep that sense of community going with everyone remote. We've been doing things like sending things in the mail to our workers who are working from home, like little thank you gifts. We've been doing weekly um, Zoom meetings where we all can see each other's faces without masks. Um, and, and that's kind of the, what we've been really working on as far as keeping the, the morale up here. That makes perfect sense because I think so much of creativity and making is having that connection. And so being able to maintain that virtually is, is it takes some intent and some activity that goes above and beyond the normal. I have to say, I live in a suburb. I have seen during the pandemic, a proliferation of street and sidewalk art that is chalk-based. And I think obviously a lot of that is based on the fact that more of these kids are home and looking for new, interesting, or, or other engaging ways to spend their time. I'm wondering if you've seen any changes in interest or demand for, for Twee. We have. I, I have two children of my own. They're um, six and 10. And I know right now with the way their schooling is, they're in front of screens way more than I would ever want them to be. And because of that, my focus in our downtime is to be outside and to be creating and using imagination and really like tactile things. And I, I think as the owner of Twee, I see that trend. I'm not the only parent um, that is really craving that almost nostalgic childhood feel and, uh, and and we're seeing it. We're seeing it in, um, even in the notes that like, I, I feel like Twee is very much a, a giftable product, a design. And I, I see it so much in the notes too, as our customers are sending to grandchildren and cousins and nieces and nephews all over the country, this sense of like, get outside and, and, and make something beautiful. I think that really resonates and you've been able to create a product that uh, sparks that uh, sense of community or, or making or uh, new types of engagement for the kids as well. I wonder because your, your works are so colorful and creative what is your thought process for designing new things? Because I, I mean, I've donuts and macaroons, the list goes on, but how do you develop uh, new product ideas, Margo? You know, strangely enough, um, it's, it's what, I know this sounds crazy because it's a child's toy. It's what we're interested in. And um, as I said, I have two little boys. They are our ultimate product testers. And uh, you'll make something and you'll think that this design is awesome. And you're like, well, I love it. Of course, everyone's going to love it. And we bring it home and they say, oh, that is not cool. Um, so it's very, um, it, it keeps you grounded. And it's also neat um, to see what designs resonate with them? Um, obviously, you can see that we're all very food focused. 
I would say half of our designs have to do with with a, a pizza, a cupcake, ice cream. Um, and I, I think I have to say that I love that kind of design the most because if we go back to the idea of having kids think outside the box, we're handing them something that is a tool to create with, but we are also giving them this opportunity to have un restricted pretend play. Mm. So I think to the macaroons, um, yes, it's, it, it looks just like a cookie and it has a little bit of glitter on it, but you know what's so cool? You take one of your cookies, you draw the plate and you draw your friend a plate and now you can have a tea party. <laughs> and, um, and it's that kind of creativity. I don't, we don't ever want something to be one-dimensional. You know, we want the kids to really get everything out of it. There's, I, I think generally children are, um, they're not given credit for how incredibly intelligent they are. And this is an opportunity, you know, to say to them, take this and go as deep as you want. Yeah. Yeah, I have to it probably unleashes their imagination and kind of play instincts in a very unique and meaningful way. I wanted to ask you about your kind of locally made vibe, because that's of keen interest to, I think, me and our, our audience as well. And obviously people buy products because they're good quality or they're good value or they have some prestige or they're filling a need. But I'm wondering the extent to which you get feedback from your customers that they like this idea, that it's something that is locally made, locally created, and if that is resonating with your customers at all. I am surprised how niche or niche it is. I think people are so used to consumption and not knowing who made it, that the fact that, as I said, we can trace it, like we make it, we package it. I can tell you when I see a design between three people who made that unicorn horn. I think people are really disconnected from that. So when you lead with that story, which we're so super proud of, it makes it, it, makes it so special. Yeah, it's got to resonate and the stories are really amazing. So Margaret, you mentioned that there's a group that comes into the makery that helps you put together Tweez products. Uh, tell me a bit about them. We are so lucky. We have an incredibly phenomenal staff who are so gifted as artists in their own right. And that is the part of Twee that I think is so important that each piece of chalk we make is crafted by an artist and someone who, you know, yes, this is not their main artistic endeavor, but who approaches it with that kind of exuberance and that kind of pride. Um, we have a ton of printmakers here we have, which actually, strangely enough, when we have interviews, we say, well, no one's ever really made chalk on like on their resume before, but we've been able to like, 
start to realize that printmakers have like special skills that work really well with chalk. So we have tons of printmakers, photographers, graphic designers, all here making and designing and helping us get all of all of the products to the stores. And we're so lucky for them because we would be nothing without the community that we have in our studio. It sounds like you have really established a fascinating collaborative community there. Um, fascinating is, uh, is the right word. Um, the one thing that I think is amazing that uh, rings true, whether you're me or um, someone who is here part-time is that none of our parents understand what exactly it is we do here. Um, and they say things like chalk, right? <laughs> um, so that is definitely something that binds us all together. <laughs> so Margo, one, one question for you. You've obviously established this uh, fantastic product line in chalk. What does the future hold? Because I can imagine there are a lot of possibilities for a, a creative mind like yours to, to take on. I, I think this year... I'm so excited for this year. 2021 is really a turning point for Tree. We have plans to go from, right now we are a product. We make handmade sidewalk chalk. And this is our year to turn into a brand that pushes the envelope, but has an array of products available. So we have two new products coming out this year, one towards the end of the year, which will remain a mystery. Um, and we have one coming out that is chalk adjacent, as I like to say. They are called Park Pouches. They are beautifully, we've partnered with a uh, graphic designer and we have come up with two limited edition designs. And it's what do you do once you open your beautiful chalk? You don't wanna put it in a, a plastic storage bag and throw it under your stroller. Um, you need something to carry it in. Uh, so we have silk screened bags that are going to be available in the spring. Very cool. I can't wait to see what those look like. That's phenomenal. Margot Del Colo, thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast. Thank you so much. This was really, really nice. I love talking about we. I'm so proud of everything that we've done, and I'm so excited for everything that's coming up in this year and down the road. And that will do it for the Manufacturing Report this week. To learn more about Twee, you can visit tweemade.com. That's T-W-E-E-M-A-D-E.com. As always, I want to thank AAM staff and Kat Adams in particular for their work to make this episode possible. And I want to thank you, the listeners, for engaging with us and for giving us some great episode ideas. Please be sure to subscribe to the Manufacturing Report on Spotify or wherever you find your podcasts and let us know what you think by leaving a review and a rating. You can find us online at AmericanManufacturing.org. You can follow us on Facebook or Instagram, and you can connect with us on Twitter at Keep It Made in USA. I'm Scott Paul, and until next time, together we can keep it made in America.